Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network, coming to you from the TeacherCast studios since 2011. Join us each week as we bring you the latest educational news, ed tech updates, and hottest interviews with today's most influential leaders in education. And now, for your host, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is TeacherCast Podcast, episode 221. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We've got a great show. On our show today, we have an author of an amazing new book that we're going to be talking about how is more relevant than ever in today's classrooms. And we're going to talk a lot today about how your classrooms are looking I can't wait to have our interview today, and I can't wait to see what you guys think about it. Don't forget, you can reach out to our show each and every week over on Twitter at TeacherCast, and you can always leave us a voice message over on TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. No matter where you are, no matter where you like your podcasts, we are there each and every week. Thank you guys so much for making us a part of your week. My guest today is Tom Sherrington, an author from the country of Great Britain. And today we're going to be talking about his new book, all about teaching walkthroughs, a visual step-by-step guide to teaching different techniques. Tom, how are you today? Welcome to the TeacherCast podcast. Hello. Yeah, it's great to be talking to you. I'm really delighted to, to be on the show. I am so excited that you're here today. And, you know, now more than ever, people are trying to figure out what the norm is, right? Teachers are trying to figure out how to get into their classrooms. Administrators are trying to figure out how to get into their buildings. And eventually, you know, Tom, I have to believe eventually things will settle in, right? I don't think we're ever going to have a, a, a year this year where it's going to be, uh, you know, normal. I think we're all waiting for that, that thing to drop that's going to either keep us in the classroom, keep us out of the classroom. But, you know, I, I got to say there's a lot of excitement about this year. How are things over in England these days? Yeah, a pretty crazy, a bit like with you. And uh, most uh, children in England are about to go back to school next week. Um, and so there's a lot of talk about how that's going to work and how teachers are supposed to cope with it all. But so, yeah, we're very much in the same situation. I think slightly differently, we're, we're pretty much fully going back. So that's the expectation that most schools are going back, um, you know, all children going back. Uh, and then it's a case of how people cope with that and if there are local breakouts and stuff and people having to adjust. But most teachers are, are, are in that mindset of having been out of school for a long time or doing sort of remote teaching and now back full on. And that's going to be a really interesting transition. And now, obviously, look, our numbers are different. Percentages are different. Certainly statistics are different between our two areas. Um, you said everyone's going back. Are they still like in our country doing full masks and desk shields and six feet apart? Like, what does it look like over there? Um, you know, again, considering that it's not as uh, widespread. I don't, I don't even know what the right words are these times. Well, I think, you know, some of the figures are, are, are broadly comparable, but it, it's in terms of per, per head of population. I, I think the, the, the big debate in England has been about masks, you know, masks or not masks. And um, only very recently, the government started saying that actually it was OK to even ask for masks because previously they were saying that wasn't wasn't something. And now it's like there's a there's a big argument between different heads saying, I don't want my children wearing masks. And others saying, no, I really want mine. Cheering. So it's, it's really down to the principle of each school to to decide at the end, which is, you know, quite a big responsibility. So I think we're going to see quite a lot of variation from school that, to school. That's amazing. 
right? What what gives your what what gives principals the ability to make health decisions on pandemic topics? I mean, that, that's seriously that is actually an amazing sentence right there that says that your principals are deciding health decisions for the kids. Totally. I mean, and and a lot of it comes down to you know the specific. Uh, attitudes of the principal sometimes it's just a, a, a caution and there's lots of you know conflicting advice about whether or not you are more likely to pass things on if you're wearing masks or not and and different people citing different studies and so on so i, I do think principals in england um have a very particular challenge because so much is left to their them there are some guidelines and people are supposed to be using this concept of bubbles where quite large groups of children in a, in a particular grade year group have to sort of stay within that group and teachers are visiting classrooms so that's going to be a big change for some teachers where they've pretty much had their own room or mostly their own room and and the children have come to them in a high school now uh, the children are more likely to be staying where they are and the teachers are visiting so some schools are like issuing these like trolleys and stuff to carry your things around so that's a, that's a big shift for some people and that's where we are in the middle school I teach at. You know, last year I had my own room. It was great. It was my my, my domain. And now um, five people are now in that room. And I am now, as you said, I'm 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 on a trolley and I'm running around to different classrooms trying to figure out where to put things down. And everybody has these ideas of, you know, when you're in my room, I don't want your kids coming up to my desk. You need to be in your own spot of this room that we happen to be cohabitating in. It's just a weird workplace dynamic as we all start that school year. Absolutely. And, and there are things like, um, you know, so some teachers um, are more you know, conscious about their safety issues than others. So even there's a sort of teacher preference aspect and some people wanting the shields and masks and, um, Others are more likely to be a little bit more kind of, I don't know, sort of like to want to just go in amongst the children as they always have. And I think schools are adopting a kind of policy around that is going to be interesting to see who who gets to choose, whether it's the school or the teacher. So, for example, you know, asking questions. I know I know a school where they've been discussing the children using you know mini whiteboards uh, much more than they were before, which is like an occasional questioning technique. But now they're all having them. So that the teacher can stand at the front and ask people to show show that they're working for uh, you know some maths or some English, so that they can see the see at a distance what they're doing. Going into the desks to see them at, in their books and all that kind of thing is is being forced on teachers to think about these sort of interactive interactive questioning techniques. For safety reasons, not for pedagogical reasons. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, even over here, we're looking at this going, we might have 12 or 15 people in a room. Um, in my desk district, we might have 12 to 15 people at the same time at home. How does a teacher, you know, really very quickly here, we're going to be in live situations putting all of this stuff together. Now, yeah, when I mean, we're looking at walkthroughs, when we're looking at how we are being judged, it's a different situation because not only do we have our administrators looking at us going, you know, are you are you safe? Are you keeping the curriculum alive? Are you connecting social emotional? We also now that the term walkthrough now has to also do with what's happening at home. You've got parents now listening to every single word. You've got many, many parents now listening to every single word. Whereas last year and in the past, you might have had a walkthrough. You might have had an observation, you know, two, three, four times a year. Now, every single second of your teaching day is an observation. 
Yeah, that's a very interesting concept. I think it's interesting I mean, using the word um, walkthroughs there because in our, in our use of the word in our book that we've written, uh, myself and my, my sort of co-author, Oliver Cavigliotti, a walkthrough is like a, a step-by-step guide. And it's interesting that in the language that you might use, it's like it also means walking through a lesson. But actually, for us, it means walking through a set of steps. Mm-hmm. And and we're, we're really keen, and the whole purpose of us making this uh, book is, is, to, is to get teachers to be able to reflect on ideas and, and it's more about instructional coaching and teachers working side by side to solve problems that the children have got but you know we didn't write it with a view with a kind of covid um scenario in mind and this blended learning where you've got half a class at home half in the room or whatever that's that's kind of difficult but there are some principles which i think are are pertinent like you know curriculum design and making sure everybody knows what they're trying to learn what the long-term learning goals are and then getting training the students to check whether they've they've learned stuff, uh, making sure they understand things and asking questions. <laughs> so, I, I think there are some general things to do with teaching which are going to come into the, that that new space anyway. Uh, you know, how do the children know if they've done things well? Do they know if they've done that what they're supposed to do? And and actually. A teacher during a lesson working out whether or not the, the children have done the things that they set out to do uh, that interactivity and how you plan for that i think that will still be relevant well i'm curious because you said that when you were putting this together this was i would assume pre pre-march pre-covid pre-everything and you came up with a bunch of key topics we're going to kind of go through them today um how in reflection do you feel this topic is even is relevant or even more relevant now that we're in the middle of COVID than it was back when you were first drafting this you know, book as an outline and putting all these different topics together? I think it's probably the same in, in the sense that it covers the general things that, that teachers need to do. So there's things to do with behavior and routines and relationships. So that's still true. It's just how you do it. The curriculum planning. So what are the children supposed to learn about? That's that's still there. Explaining, modeling, questioning. I mean, all the topics are the same. The difference is how do I do it? And you know, the routines around how a class is run. How, what, and I think that's one of the main things teachers are going to be adjusting to in this sort of first few weeks is making things feel normal. So even if it's unusual compared with, say, a normal school year, the week-to-week expectations of the of the children tuning into the lesson or coming to this socially distanced classroom, they, that needs to feel sort of normal, so that they're not. It's not too weird and it inhibits the learning. They, they've got to be, and teachers can make that feel kind of just at ease and relaxed and not not a, not too much of a fuss. I think that's quite important. Well, let's let's deep dive into that again. The book is called Teaching Walkthroughs: Visual Step-by-Step Guides to Teaching Techniques, and and really, when we're looking at the different topics here in the book, I'm reflecting on what are my goals as the school year starts. What do I need to do to get back in? In our country here, we went out around March 14th. Yes, we had complete distant learning classes, but really, this is the first time we're getting back in front of students. We're having lots of professional development on social emotional. And I love that one of your first key topics here is getting, you know, that behavior ready, getting relationships, trying to figure out what those norms. Tom, why is this the first thing that we need to be thinking about? Why can't we just start day one with open the book curriculum? Let's go. What is it about building relationships? Well, I think, you know, you need to, 
children need to feel relaxed, uh, at ease, um, trusting the person that's teaching them. And those things are, are, are the foundations for you know the, the content. Of course, you can foster relationships as you are doing the teaching. Mm-hmm. But every, every, people need to know where they are, don't they? So you know what the boundaries are, the expectations. This is how we ask questions. This is how we uh, participate in the group. And if you, until you've established all those things, then no one knows kind of what to do. So it's really important at the start of a school year anyway is to say, Okay, guys. Here's 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 how we run things. This is how you know. This is these are our expectations. This is our kind of degrees of freedom. And once everybody knows where they stand, people are kind of relaxed about it because they know the, the 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 rules. And then you have to reinforce them so that um, you know if if kids kind of you know stray out of what you would want to be normal behaviour, you kind of bring them back in and say, now come on, this is what we need, and reaffirm the, in a positive way when they're doing it right. And that, that's going to be true uh, now as, as ever, especially if there are some safety things they have to also add into their normal kind of uh, learning patterns. I, d- I don't think you have to overdo it, though. I, I don't think it's like you go into some sort of extensive content-free sort of period of, of time where you don't start teaching them things. I sort of feel like you can fairly swiftly move into the teaching of, of, of the curriculum so that it, the, the quicker you can get into that normal flow, the better. I, I think this year it's going to be harder than ever you know in the past i'm going to keep saying it this way but you know last year you know again i had my classroom people came into my class they knew the environment they knew the rules they knew me etc now with kids staying in one room and the teachers rotating i think it's going to be a little bit more challenging because as i walk in i have my own set of rules and guidelines but the kids haven't moved their environment so if i say you know to go to the bathroom you have to raise your hand and then go and the previous teacher says, just get up and go. Those are two different norms. So the, in other words, the kid's environment is changing, but they're not changing. It's almost yeah, like, you know, you got mom's rules and dad's rules. And, and depending on who you're with, your, 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 you know, your situation changes, your behavior changes. Definitely. I mean, it, it probably suggests that the people who are, you know, teaching the same group kind of need to, it's really good if there's a shared set of expectations it's explicitly to deal with that. It's hard to be the kind of the teacher at the slightly stricter end of any range because people, you know, that that could be hard. So agreeing those things would be really like a collegiate thing between colleagues. But still, even with that variation, you know, with a few simple rule reminders and saying, hey, guys, good to see you again. Remember, you know, these are our basic expectations. And, and then do that checking, you know, and ask the kids, you know, jo- Josephine, remind, remind me what, what's our uh, rule for this or that and, and making sure they know. And so. I think if you always do this with a positive spirit and a kind of and affirming when kids are doing what you want and it's not too heavy, I think that's all fine. And and and, and I th- my experience is that, that kids can deal with those variations as long as they're explicit and they don't find out just by testing them. You kind of say, say up front what you want. Well, you had mentioned the importance of working together with your team of teachers. Um, something I was very aware of the other day when we were walking through all these different classrooms and it kind of hit me of, we need to really be on that same page. When are we going to do things? How are we going to do things to make sure that our students are maximizing their time, their efficiency, and also just to kind of keep them all on the same page? One of the next topics that you talk about is curriculum planning. You know, I, I'm reading into that as if I'm doing a test on Friday, is anybody else doing a test on Friday? Um are we slamming them with homework all on the same night? Are we going to stagger things out where maybe you say, all Tom, all, all of your tests are going to be on Wednesday. Mine are going to be on Friday. Somebody else is going to be on Tuesday. You know, sharing calendars, sharing ideas, it, it, stuff like that will help work at home. Stuff like that will help work in the classroom. 
Absolutely. I, I think just generally speaking, the curriculum in, in, every, in every aspect of it, so knowing uh, by the end of a certain time what we're going to cover, what the content is, uh, what the topics are, and especially if there's any shared teaching, making sure who knows who's teaching what parts, all that needs to be um, uh, coordinated. And I think from the children's point of view, this is one of the biggest things, especially if they've missed any chunk of school, is knowing what they've missed, knowing what uh, what they're supposed to have learned by now, and that's that, that's really helpful for any in a learning sense anyway. So if you if you set up on a new course or a new uh, you know any kind of learning challenge, you want to know kind of what the big picture looks like. So you can say, hey guys, by Christmas, this is where we're headed. This is what we're going to try to cover. Don't worry if you haven't picked it up so far because we're going to deal with all of that. Make it feel not a not a problem. And and some of the kids might be stressing out, thinking I've, I'm so far behind, and the teachers need to be saying don't worry because we're going to pick it all up and and have some documents or some some references on a website or something say look this is what this is what we're going to cover maybe a book to help them i just think if kids are relying too much on just turning up to class and thinking what what's going on what are they doing that that's where the anxiety creeps in just not knowing what's happening and parents too and and i couldn't agree with you more you know one of the things as as a technology coach as somebody who's helping in, in our professional development um i'm constantly trying to model what's going on, what should be going on in the classrooms, constantly trying to help our teachers remember that they're not just teaching students, they're also teaching parents, right? Like, especially now, again, because parents are gonna be basically in the living rooms as people are doing virtual classrooms here. We gotta be making material so that way the parents can help out their students learn things. Now, look, Tom, obviously I'm not assuming that a parent's gonna be learning you know, honors geometry or honors calculus, but. The point is there's so many different opportunities here for us to really change what culture looks like, change what the learning environment is, and also, you know, again, model the way that we want all of our students to be learning right from day one and set a tone for the rest of the year. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think um, for, for teachers, students and parents, being clear about the learning goals is really, really helpful. So if I'm a parent and my kid's in a sort of slightly halfway house environment, back to school or maybe some lessons at home or whatever it is, if I know, look, you're supposed to have read this book, done these math problems, uh, and there's a, a, an extended project or assignment in history that you're supposed to have done by this time, if I know all of that, I can help them. I, I can I can say, have you done your history assignment? Because let me see it, you know, and I can guide them. If I don't know what's supposed to be covered or how can I? How can I even probe? And that's that. That's kind of so. Giving parents information about the kind of learning experience the children are going to get, I think, will really, really help. And and if that's planned across a whole group of teachers working together, so they share out, you know, who, that that process and collaborate on it, then that's better too. How do we do that effectively? You know, over here we're very big on. You know, Google Classroom is a great way to share information out. Microsoft has their own parent portal projects. Uh, PowerSchool is also a big popular learning management system. How do you suggest uh, teachers communicate what's going on with parents without having to spend hours dealing with email and writing long email? And, you know, that, that it's an important part of our job, but that just takes time that we don't always have. Absolutely. Now, I, I think you need to have a, a really well-established protocol for this is where we put all the information. This is how often we update it. And so parents get into a groove. Like every week I check in and there it is and I can see what's coming next week or whatever it is. Like, so you just know. And they, you have to sort of put some responsibility on parents to go and see it on a website. And I think uh, – but 
you have to you have to know the the access issues in your community some some school communities you know we we've we've established this in england definitely that there's a big divide has occurred, occurred over the last few months with some families where they've got multiple children at school all trying to learn at home on you know one computer and four children or whatever and that kind of situation is tough if you've got a full google classroom school and every child has a laptop and stuff it's a totally different world so you need to know the kind of community you're serving, the kind of disadvantage issues. But generally, most schools can at least say, you know, there's a website. And sometimes you have to post things and, and be, do paper-based resources for some kids because they, that's the only way they're going to get them. So you, I think that that's a backup, really. I don't think that's the way you begin. You kind of back up with the, with the paper. But, yeah, it, getting into individual emails to and fro but with, is, is, is way too much workload for teachers, and I don't think they should be doing that excessively. So it's the beginning of the year. We create our behavior norms. We come up with and start building those relationships. We we work with our teachers to have a, a, a common curricular teaching style. We model what we expect, not only for people who are in our classrooms, but also at home, as well as you know modeling what, what great hybrid lessons look like. The next thing that you mentioned is questioning and feedback. Talk to us a little bit about why. Why is it important that we maybe take a few minutes Ask our colleagues, how are things going? Ask our students, hey, is this new model working for you? What can I do to adjust? Am I too hard? Am I too easy? Are the lessons? Why is it important that we stop for a moment and get that feedback from all of our stakeholders? Well, I guess we just need to, we can't just assume things are going well from our perspective. This is true of any lesson, any series of lessons. I, if I judge my effectiveness from how, what thinking I've done what I've I think I'm supposed to have done that. That I could be wrong. It, we need to find out from the students if they can access the material, if they understand. And and one of the one of the great things, and we we, we explore, explore this a little bit in our book from a questioning technique point of view, is we don't just say, "Is everyone okay?" Uh, because if you just say to people, "Is it are you okay?" or "Do you understand?" they can just say yes or no. Yes, I am. Yes. So so you have to sort of say. Let's just, you want to hear back from me. Let me just get a few sort of, I always think it's useful as a, as a teacher to have a couple of parents or, or children that you kind of use as kind of like weather vanes. Like they'll tell you everything, you know, how do you think it's going? Do you understand the, the, the you know, the material? Or, but then in an interactive way in a classroom, getting people to tell you, okay, what do you think the tasks are for the, for the homework or, uh, and then they tell you what they think they've understood. And that's when you find out, oh, gosh, OK, that, they think I meant this, but I didn't. I meant something else. So you have to re redirect. And that's true with the team. You know, with adults, we sometimes make all kinds of assumptions that we all will sat in a meeting on Zoom or whatever and gone, yeah, 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 we all agree. But actually, it's really useful to someone just say, OK, let's just run. Let's pause a minute. You know, I could say, Jeff, just run through it for me. What do, what do you think you, <laughs> you've agreed? <laughs> and you can say, well, I'm going to do this and this, and you're going to do this and this. And you go, yeah, okay, cool. That's what I thought. And we, we're kind of on the same page. I think that kind of checking is 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 quite powerful for adults and for classroom uh, practice. Well, it's, it's not only the checking in, it's that reflecting it's yeah. practicing. I mean, we are all doing new things. Even if the, even if the curriculum material is the same, um, we're still practicing. We're still trying to get into a habit. We're trying to make sure that we can practice what we have and then, you know, build that long-term memory so that way we can create a brand new learning environment. Because, look, I don't think we're ever going to go back to last year. Even once COVID is over, I have no idea how long that's going to be, but we're certainly not going to go back to 2019. Yeah, I, I think this, a lot of people have, have been discussing the sorts of things which aren't going to go back. One of the things I think will be 
you know, where, where we find that children have been able to do some independent study, you know, online and stuff, which where previously we never set that for them. Why would you take that away? You know, you know, if, if you found success in, in online teaching and children can read books, online tools, produce work, teach themselves things, why would you stop doing that? Um, and, and I think, but of course, there have been children who have been massively disadvantaged because their peers may have been doing that and they haven't been. So you do have to, you know, work, think hard about this and not just say, hey, let's just, let's just keep going with this if it persists with a disadvantage problem. But I, I think, um, you know, this blending is, is going to be a thing which a lot of people will, will be looking at, even if it's a, a, at a quite a low level. On the other hand, I actually think that a lot of teachers are just desperate to get back and face to face with their children, look them in the eye, have those lovely interactive moments, which have, they've been really missing. And uh, the classroom dynamics, that real buzz of a great class where everyone's kind of learning together. And um, I don't think you can really beat that. So I, I don't think if that's that was 2019, I don't think people will be rushing away from that in a hurry. I think ultimately when we're looking at this whole idea of dynamic learning, hybrid learning, getting back into it, it really is how quickly can we get into the engaged, entertaining, you know, in classroom environments, which we all remember, love, and we were pushing to. I mean, even last year, my classroom went from desks to movable uh, tables where we were doing group work, group lessons, all those things. Obviously, I can't get back into that anytime soon, but the idea of creating engaging environments, creating something that's beyond that first level of sit and get, that I think is our ultimate goal. How do we create an environment, build those relationships, get that communication flowing, so that essentially we can just get back to showing how much we're passionate about working with students. Talk to us a little bit about that, what, what, what we're calling like, you know, model B teaching. How do we get into that next step so that way it just starts to happen naturally? Well, I think that, that in, in the way we define uh, mode B teaching is, is sort of where it's all the things that, which students do, which is kind of not teacher led instruction. So, you know, there's there's the teacher knowing the curriculum and teaching in an instructional way, which is really important. But then mode B is things where the students can take some ownership. And actually, they've probably been having a little bit of that uh, already with, with in the COVID. So things like having to go and do project work on their own independently how successful they've been and how rigorous that's been is well, teachers will have to explore. But I, but I think there'll be things like when we've been, what some things we've been missing, like kids coming into class and giving a presentation on something that they've studied, that would be great. You know, hearing them speak, getting them to share their experiences, their knowledge, that type of thing. Um, and, and structuring really good group so that all the students are really learning from each other is going to be important. So anything to do with, with talk, collaboration, or making making artifacts. And some children have been at home with no resources, no materials, not, not they haven't been able to do any science experiments or whatever. And so if we're back in school, let's think of the things they've been missing. And maybe those are the things, those hands-on tasks that we can give them in a classroom, if that's pro practical in, in, in the class bases where they are. So those are the sort of things where we mean by mode B, like really mixing up the instructional teaching with other types of learning so that you get the rounded kind of experience. Talking today to Tom Sherrington, the author of a uh, co-author of a great book all of, called, uh, let me make sure I have it here. Great book called Teaching Walkthroughs, Visual Step-by-Step -Step Guides to Teaching Techniques. Tom, where can we pick this publication up? Well, you can pick it up on Amazon. You know, it's there. You can just search it, but also John Cat. uh, 
Bookshop is a, is a website. John Cat uh, is the publisher, and they and they have a website which you can access it from there. So both of those places uh, is is where people normally get it. And we also have our own website, which is walkthroughs.co.uk, and people can see on there. We we provide all these powerpoints and videos and other things to help people think about their teaching practice. Now. In addition to being a dynamic, amazing, wonderful author, you also run a website called Teacher Head. Talk to us a little bit about TeacherHead.com. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a blog I started writing on a WordPress blog I started writing about eight years ago, and it's it's uh, picked up a lot, a lot of followers over the years. So I write about curriculum, about current issues in teaching, but a lot of it is to do with just very basic classroom practice, you know, questioning, feedback, that kind of thing. And it's picked up a following over over the years. It's had sort of several million views over the eight years, and um, I've got like a, about a hundred thousand Twitter followers these days. Amazing to me, that's true. But they, 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 because it's all sharing very practical ideas. So that's what teacherhead.com is. It's a it's a very hands on kind of blog about the sort of issues that teachers experience. Uh, and we have had various people from the US uh, tune in over the over the time. So I'm I'm pleased about that. You know, we are certainly interested in hearing what you out there in our teacher cast listening land is uh, are doing this year. You know, I, I'm starting back as a middle school teacher. I've got kids coming in. I've got a brand new curriculum, one I've never taught before. I've got brand new classrooms. I'm now in a pod with other teachers who are not in my subject area. There are so many new things happening these days. I want to know what you guys are doing. Please feel free to reach out to us every single day over on teachercast.net. Leave a voicemail over at teachercast.net slash voicemail. And, of course, you can find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. Tom, where can everybody learn about the great stuff you are doing? What is that Twitter and website one more time? Yeah, so on Twitter, I'm at TeacherHead, and my blog is called TeacherHead.com. So those are the two. TeacherHead repeated in both of those. And, of course, all of the links for today are going to be over on our show notes over at TeacherCast podcast episode number 221. We hope that you've enjoyed this show and get a chance to listen to all of the shows that we have. If you're a tech coach, we have our Ask the Tech Coach podcast that drops every single Monday. If you're looking to build your EDU brand as a professional development provider, speaker, blogger, publisher, author, you name it, you can check out the brand new Jeff Bradbury show dropping every single Wednesday. We've got our second season of that. That's going to be coming up in the next week or so. And, of course, we're still continuing to do all of the great stuff over on educationalpodcasting.com. If you're looking to bring audio and video into your classrooms, check out podcastingwithstudents.com for all of your audio and video needs. And that wraps up this episode of the Teacher Cast Podcast. On behalf of Tom and everybody here in the Teacher Cast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to the TeacherCast Educational Network, hosted by Jeff Bradbury. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at TeacherCast or online at www.teachercast.net. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.